Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome to episode 156 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, just want to tell people right at the beginning, something that we mentioned, we were talking about before we started recording. So our office in Overdrive here is growing. We're expanding, which is awesome. Um, part of having your company expand is that they are making our awesome workspace even bigger. So they're doing construction. So you may hear some banging in the background here and there. Um, there's no apocalypse going on right. in our podcast. Uh, they're just putting up some walls today. So if you hear it, that that's what it is. So yes. I want to bring that up at the beginning. <laughs> How have you been? Good. Yeah. Hope everyone had a good reading ebook day. It was a good, yeah. We certainly did. We did. We had record checkout numbers at Overdrive, which was amazing. So... I got to pat myself on the back a little bit for that. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I always like reading the book a day because there's always a lot of coffee and coffee creamers. <laughs> yeah, they do bring out the fancy coffee creamers. What we do here at the office is we take one of our big open spaces and our human resources department, who are amazing, uh, build a coffee shop. And they give everyone at Overdrive like an extra hour in addition to your lunchtime and all that good stuff. They basically just say... Just go go down there and, and read for an hour and relax. We made this little coffee shop for you. They have these incredible pastries. They always go all out. But they do. They get they good coffee. They have fancy coffee and coffee creamer. Yeah. yeah. So shout out to our HR department if they Indeed. listen to our podcast. Seriously, yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. I never know who at our office actually listens to our podcast. It's always fun to have someone be like, hey, I listen to such and such. Or other people just being like, hey, when do you guys do episodes? Yeah. Twice a week. But- <laughs> Um, so if people want to get a hold of us, let's do that part of the beginning because we always tend to forget. How can they do that? They can find us on Twitter and Instagram mm-hmm. at ProBookNerds. And they can email us at ProfessionalBookNerds at Overdrive.com. And we are trying to be active on Instagram. So we've got a, a few up there. I was lazy the first week. I was just like waiting. I was like, Jill will post something. So, Oh, Jill has already started planning for next week, which is part of our episode that we're talking about today. So, Well, good transition. Why don't you just tell everyone what we're doing? So um, uh, we're doing two things today, but um, for the starters, we kind of started this uh, episode in particular is that not, uh, next week is Banned Books Week. And so we wanted to talk about um, some of the most challenged books of last year and then some of our personal favorite books that have been frequently challenged yeah yeah uh, if you're a long time listener like a full year you'll remember that we got very soapboxy last time about this uh just knowing myself probably gonna happen again yeah Getting very irritated about this topic um but band book week band books week is awesome um so it's a it's a good we, it's a good topic for us to talk about. And conveniently, uh, the National Book Award long list 
finalists were named, and there's, you know, no shocker, some incredible books on there. So just going to run through, we're going to highlight a few of those. Um, we have collections at overdrive.com for both a bunch of banned books as well as all of the National Book Award long list titles. So we'll put all the ones in the show notes that we mentioned today, but you can go to overdrive.com and get a whole bunch of banned book week recommendations, and you can also read all of the National Book Award finalists. So yeah. Conveniently in one place. Um, okay, so how do we want to do this? I think we originally decided we were going to kind of go through all the books that were challenged this year. I'm going to let you read them off one by one, and then you'll probably just hear me in the background yelling about things. Oh, okay. So I'm going to – this is from um, the American Library Association. They have a whole section of their website that is all about banned books week and um, including the top 10 challenged books. So I'm just going to go through the – Lists. Do it backwards. Let's go ten to one. We can go ten to one. Yeah. Okay. Um. Oh, number ten. Okay. So <laughs> this, it, it kind of kills me that this is on this list. Um. It's number ten. Um. So this is so the list comes out from the year before. So this is the top ten challenge books of 2016. Um. Eleanor and Park by Rainbow Rowell. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'm also going to read the little description that come the blurb that comes with each books. Um, one of seven New York Times notable children's books and a Prince Honor recipient, this young adult novel was challenged for offensive language. Offensive language. Yeah. So stupid. Ugh. Bad words. Adam, bad words. <sighs> the baddest of words. Look out. My book will get challenged for that. Okay. Um. <laughs> Your book would get challenged for that. Oh, man. That's a new life goal. I want to see... <laughs> I want. Hey I guys, I had that happen in high school. I had a short story from our. Um, uh, uh, we had a literary journal in my high school, and mm-hmm. I had submitted this story, and they published it, but it was blacked out part of it because I used bad words, and I had to have it talking to. <laughs> I want our listeners to do two things. First, I want them to go read your book, "Running with the Police Escort," because it's fantastic. But it would be also kind of hilarious if they all start like calling their libraries just to raise attention. Be like, um, I want to challenge this. Don't book. do that. I'm That's kidding. Not funny. Don't do that part. <laughs> but go read it. It's amazing. Okay. Uh, That's number okay. Nine. Number nine. Number nine is the Little Bill Bill series written by Bill Cosby and illustrated by Varnett P. Honeywood. This children's book series was challenged because of criminal sexual allegations against the author. This is the one I find myself being that's okay a, with. It's a tricky one. I'm yeah, that's a tricky one. Yeah, I. Well, the, I think the issue is that like once you start down that road, it's kind of a very slippery slope because, you know, then you have authors. Not that I am arguing for this, but yeah. you have authors like Orson Scott Card or T. S. Eliot who have like anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. histories and again i'm not advocating for that it's really yeah. hard though to separate I, the author from the book yeah that's a tricky one well and there's also and then you like you said if it, with it being a slippery slope like you can go all the way down to like mein Kampf, mein Kampf by adolf hitler right is one of the more important books in the last you know 150 years really but it's written by adolf hitler so right. it's yeah. tough but it's also an important book so yeah that's that one's tricky. Um, that one is tricky. And I also, um, so they call it Banned Books Week. Uh, and we are doing the most challenged books of 2016. 
there's a difference between challenging and banning. And I, I did, so apologies to those who did listen to our episode last year. But for those that don't know, um, books do get banned every once in a while, but they mostly get challenged, which is basically when someone goes to the library and says, I don't think this book should be in your library. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's a process and there's a form they have to fill out. Um, yeah, so that's, yes. So it's more challenged. Books do get banned, and they mostly did in the past a lot, but it still happens every once in a while. But we're talking challenged books, so right. books that got a lot of complaints or were told yeah. they wanted it removed. Okay. Number eight. Number eight. Make Something Up, Stories You Can't Unread, written by Chuck Palahniuk. This collection of adult short stories, which received positive reviews from Newsweek and the New York Times, was challenged for profanity, sexual explicitness and being disgusting and all around offensive well having read chuck so palanuk that pretty much sums up every one of his just books a, just a chuck palanuk book then oh man i love chuck palanuk oh i love him too um his oh man i'm just doing something fly i'm not looking up the names but he has one book of short stories it's like the scare what is, ha- is it haunted yeah with the story guts oh yeah that guts. was in That's playboy yeah oh yeah that was the one okay so I love Chuck Palahniuk. <laughs> I love, I think Choke is my favorite of his books. Oh, that's a good one. Um, but he wrote this short story. <laughs> called, called Guts. Called Guts. It is <laughs> hard to read. It is very hard to read. I don't even want to tell anybody about it. Can't. Because you can and you'll ruin it. So. Um, I'll just say if you <laughs> get queasy at like movies that are kind of gross and gory or yeah. mo- stories that are gross and gory, don't read don't it. Don't read it. But. But yeah. Oh, I knew exactly where you're going with that as soon as you yeah. started it. <laughs> oh god, it's tough. It, it was it was published in Playboy. Playboy mm-hmm. published it and I just remember like, And then he put it in his book Haunted. It's in his is, book Haunted. Like short stories and... Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Fun times. Okay. Right, let's keep moving before I start thinking about <laughs> Number that. Number seven. Thing. Big Hard Sex Criminals, written by Matt Fraction and illustrated by Chip Zdarsky. Considered to be ex- sexually explicit by library staff and administrators. This compilation of adult comic books written by two prolific award-winning artists was banned and challenged. So, and you'll you get I, you'll get a lot of a lot of books that are sexually explicit end up on this list. Yes, uh, we should point out these books aren't. These are all the books that were the most challenged of 2016. They were not all written in 2016. Correct. Just want to make sure people understand that that they don't come out with a new like the most challenged new releases of a certain. Right. Year. No. So just wanted no. to clarify that. Yeah. That's yeah. a good that's a good point. Number six, Looking for Alaska, written by John Green. This twenty sixteen Prince Honor Award uh, Award winner is a young adult novel that was challenged and restricted for a sexually explicit scene that may lead a student to sexual experimentation. <sighs> Number five, Two Boys Kissing, written by David Levithan, included on the National Book Award long list and designated a Stonewall Honor Book. This young adult novel was challenged because its cover has an image of two boys kissing and was considered too and was considered to include sexually explicit LGBT content. See, these past two the these kind of fall together and they fall under the belief that I've talked about all the time when we talk about books for teens that have mature quote unquote mature content. Oh. That's the top five for this year. All of them, like this. Okay, so we're. I'll just like I'll I'll do this blanket now. Like, I we talked about this actually when we had a big library read like a year ago, and it was this is where it ends. 
which is a book about school shootings. There was even some internal debate where people were like, this is a pretty tough book. Should, you know, it won. And like, there was some debate, like, should we have the second place winner be the one? And I like got on a, you know, I went grandstanding. I was like, no, this book, first off, won our popular vote. And it's incredibly important. I think it's very important for teenagers to be reading books that deal with, you know, tough or challenging topics because they're going through things and they will go through things and they'll experience stuff for the first time. And it's good to have a, a thing that kind of explains what they might be going through. So agreed includes, you know, exploring their sexuality for probably the first time. And so I'll let you get to the number five because it sounds like all of them are going to be uh, like this. That so. was number five. So number four is I Am Jazz, written by Jessica Herthol and Jazz Jennings. This children's picture book memoir was challenged and removed because it portrays a transgender child and because of language, sex, education, and offensive viewpoints. God forbid there be a transgender child. Ah, this list gets me so angry. Well, that's number three is George, written by Alex Gino. Oh, it's such a good book. <laughs> I'm sorry for yelling in here. Despite winning a Stonewall Award and a Lambda uh, Literary Award, administrators removed this children's book because it includes a transgender child and the sexuality was not appropriate at elementary levels. I love, I love that. George. I love that book. That was a book when I listened to audiobooks. I listened to it here at work, and I had to stop working for, like, the last half hour or so. I'm just, like, sobbing at yeah. my desk. Oh, my God. That's so good. Okay. Uh, number two is Drama, written and illustrated by Raina Telgemeier. Parents, librarians, and administrators banned the Stonewall Award-winning graphic novel for young adults because it includes LGBT characters, was deemed sexually explicit, and was considered to have an offensive political viewpoint. I loved drama. I didn't, this one oh, I did not read. It's so good. Oh my gosh, you guys. If you have not, like I I think it was my first graphic novel, but it was so delightful. It's actually in our it's in our big collection that we have on overdrive.com, but Yeah, it's a good one. I also apparently have to take back that statement I said where I was like, books don't get actually banned that yeah. often. <laughs> <laughs> guys, uh, I am so I'm very into graphic novels, by the way, right now. I we got sent one from source books that I don't even want to talk about it yet because it doesn't come out till they sent us books that come out in August of next year in this recent box. And one of them is a graphic novel about it's set in Ghana. And it's gorgeous. Very into graphic novels. Well, you should right read now. drama. I'm going it's to. It's really good. And then the number one most challenged book of 2016 was This One Summer, written by Mariko Tomiki and illustrated by Jillian Tomiki. This young adult graphic novel, winner of both a Prince and a Caldecott Honor Award, was restricted, relocated, and banned because it includes LGBT characters, drug use, and profanity, and it was considered spec sexually explicit with mature themes. God. So there you go. The My overall takeaway every year reading these lists is trying to put myself into the mindset of someone who is so aggravated by the idea of a book, because I guarantee you they did not read it, that they see an article or something about a book that says it's challenging or sexually explicit. And then not only do they want to complain about it, but they go to the library and they take the time to fill out a form so that a book that they may be upset by could possibly be removed from the collection. It just will never cease to infuriate me. Um, uh, I Actually, Dave Pilkey has a... Um, 
a video on his website talking about this. Like he, it's this like drawn out animation where he's like, here's an idea. If you don't like a book or if you're offended by it, don't read it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, but so that's the, those are the top ones from this year. Yep. Um, I have our band book collection pulled up. Do you have that pulled up as well? No. Okay. If you, it's just on overdrive.com. Um, I think it's on the front page. I thought we could go through, like, scroll through and just give a few suggested books as well in addition to those top ten. Like, oh, yeah. I had, like, picked actual books, but that's Oh. Not. I found it. No, no. No, you can do your actual books. It's okay. I picked actual books that were on this list, so. Well, that's fair. All right. Well, while you're – I'll go first. Um, I want – I'm next week I'm going to reread I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings by Maya Angelou. Uh, it is actually one of the most challenged books ever. Uh and it's a memoir uh, that, you know, part, part memoir that goes through a lot of what happened in Maya's life. Uh, her and her brother were sent to live with their, uh, their grandmother in a small southern town. And uh, they encounter a whole lot of racism. And uh, she ends up getting attacked by a man um, a lot older than her and... Uh, it it was banned for, uh, like showing basically like racial prejudice, and it said like when it was banned originally it was like because it's prejudiced towards white people, and it also talks about uh, uh sexually explicit situations. First off, uh, she talks about being raped, so I think if it's anything that actually happened to you, you should be allowed to talk about it, and the the irony of other of people being like well. It's showing white people in a poor light. It just infuriates me that it's like, no, she's an African-American person who faced prejudice her entire life. That's why she wrote this book. So I'm, I read it a while ago, and it's been a long time since I did. So that's one I'm definitely going to revisit next week. So I'll let you go through your actual books. Oh, no, that's okay. Um, I think, well, one of them is on the list we made, which is uh, The Handmaid's Tale. You don't say, Jill. Shocking. Shocking that I would pick the Margaret Atwood book. Fun times. Actually, okay, so this is related, I promise. But um, uh, thanks to Facebook's On This Day feature, uh, this weekend, like four or five years ago, I was actually in Washington, D.C. for the National uh, Book Festival and got to meet her, Margaret Atwood, and have my book signed. Well, we're going to have her on our podcast Fancy. someday. I hope. That's... Um, yeah, so The Handmaid's Tale, which is gotten a lot of buzz lately um the tv show won the emmy award <laughs> won all the emmy awards <laughs> won all the emmy awards um the book was uh challenged but retained as required meet reading at a particular school in north uh, carolina because the book was sexually explicit violently graphic and morally corrupt and some parents thought that the book it, uh, was detrimental to Christian values. So it, it was a big award winner when it came out in the 80s. It won lots of, I mean, Margaret Atwood's Canadian, so it won Canadian awards. It won national awards. It won U.S. awards. It's been adapted, obviously, for there was a movie. There was the TV show. There's an opera. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that one. Yeah. So Handmaid's Tale. Nice. Um. The other one I'm going to reread next week, which I've read like a hundred times, is Of Mice and Men 
It's so short. It's so quick. John Steinbeck. Um, when it first showed up on this list, I was like, wait, what? Uh, and it was banned several times were challenged for racism, profanity, foul language, and violence. Um, I read this the fir- my first time, I think I was in like eighth grade for a, a, a class. And one of the things that it taught me about from a writing standpoint is it's the first book that heavily talks about foreshadowing. Like things happen in the, this novella that lead to what's going to happen in the end. And when it happens, you're like, oh, I, like, I, a light went on. I think it was the first time I understood what, they, what people meant by when they say foreshadowing mm-hmm. in a book. So um, I, it's so sad, but it's one of my favorite books. And it's like 100 pages. You can read it really quickly. So that's, that's my other one that I'm going to read next week. Um, I'll let you, if you have other ones, go for it. I have one more. And I, it's not on our list. And um, I am only including it because of the quote the author came up with in response to it. But it's Neverwhere. Uh, Neverwhere. I just don't know how I pronounce that. Neverwhere. Neverwhere. Yeah. Yeah, that was the weirdest pronunciation ever. Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman. So good. Temporarily, temporarily, I can't talk today, removed from a New Mexico high school library and curriculum because of what one parent called inappropriate content. I really have no idea. I'd love to know what content. (laughs) Anyway, so the British author wrote in The Guardian... Well-meaning adults can easily destroy a child's love of reading. Stop them reading what they enjoy or give them worthy but dull books that you like, the 21st century equivalent of Victorian improving literature, and you'll wind up with a generation convinced that reading is uncool and worse unpleasant. I love Neil Gaiman so much. Yes. If you're friends with me on Goodreads, which I know some of you are, you'll notice that I'm doing a deep dive back into his books. I'm actually... Re-listening to his short stories, uh, Smoke and Mirrors, and I'm rereading uh, Good Omens at the same time. Wow. So uh, I may be preparing for a game and heavy episode I'm going to do in the future. Uh, God, he's the best. Okay. So again, if you go to overdrive.com, you'll see, if you just scroll down, you'll see a whole collection of other band books you can check out. Um, that's the, Those are the list of, of ones that have been challenged. Uh but again, the National Book Awards were also announced uh, last week uh, for the the long list for all of those. So I just wanted to kind of go through and we can touch on a few of these. Uh, there are a couple of highlights that I'm really excited about. Um, the first one for the National Book Award long list for fiction, Pachinko by Min Jin Lee is on there. Um, Min was on our podcast and that has nothing to do with why I want to talk about it. I read her book in like January and it still is absolutely one of the best books I've read this year. It's so good. It's heartbreaking and beautiful and uh, tragic and honest. And there's it's so many ways to describe it. And I'm so happy for her. Just She was such a pleasant, wonderful human being. Um, so Pachinko is one I'm really, really excited about. We can just kind of like go back and yeah. forth and grab some of these. But um, I would definitely recommend reading Pachinko. Um, Sing Unburied Sing by Jessamyn Ward, which Nancy Pearl mentioned on our last, when she was on a couple weeks ago, that was one of her big picks. So she called it, she even said, I think that it was going to be a big award winner. (laughs) Um, Another one that I am obsessed with, there's actually a copy of it on my desk that I've read several times now, is Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds. Uh, It's a new release. Jason Reynolds 
is prolific in his writing. Uh, he had a new Spider-Man book come out recently called Miles Morales. Uh, he also he's written so many wonderful young adult books, but uh, Long Way Down is it's this novel that takes place literally over sixty seconds, and it's this kid in an elevator trying to decide. He has a gun in his hand. His brother was murdered the night before, and he's trying to decide if he wants to go and re- avenge his brother's death. And he sees all these different people in the elevator with him on his way down, uh, trying to explain to him why he shouldn't be doing this type of a thing. And the way that the novel is written, it constantly is going down the page, like really short, quick sentences that are going down a page that make it you almost feel like you're in an elevator from page to page. So I can't recommend this book enough. Um, Jason Reynolds is one of the most important young adult authors, I think, in the world today. So, yes. The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. This has gotten so much press. It's incredible in a really good way. Um, it's about a 16-year-old who is sort of caught between two worlds, the poor neighborhood where she lives and the fancy suburban prep school she attends. And then the uneasy balance between these worlds is sort of shattered when her childhood best friend is shot and um, killed at the hands of a police officer, and he was unarmed at the time. And then his death becomes a national headline. Some are calling him a thug. Um, protesters are taking to the streets in his name and so it's a very timely um, important novel written for young adults so yeah um, and not to stay on the very important novels for you know books for young adults and keep on the like racial issues in our country but there are things that are still happening and so I'm drawn towards books that address it and one um, in this collection we have at overdrive.com we also have the National Book Award finalist for poetry and I don't read a lot of poetry but Don't Call Us Dead by Danez Smith is really really good Um, it touches on things like imagining an afterlife for black men who are shot and killed by police Um, where basically all the fear and suspicion and things that they feel while they're alive are replaced with safety and love and longevity that they really deserve. Um, There's one line that really sticks out in his entire collection. Uh, Some of us are killed in pieces. Some of us are killed all at once. And it just kind of goes through all of the things that African-Americans in the United States are dealing with on a a day-to-day basis. And again, and it's a book of poetry, so you can kind of go through it quickly, but also kind of take some time to think about each of the poems. And it's really, really good. So that's Don't Call Us Dead by Danez Smith. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon by David Gran. So, yes. <laughs> so in the uh, 1920s, the richest people per capita in the world were members of the Osage Indian Nation in Oklahoma. After oil was discovered on their land, they rode in, chauffeured automobiles, built mansions, and sent their children to study in Europe. Then one by one, they began to be killed off. Um, And so it's this crazy kind of conspiracy story about everything that happened to their tribe and 
Um, and this one's nonfiction. This is nonfiction. Oh yeah. yeah, this is totally true. Yeah, this is a true story. Yeah, <laughs> should have prefaced that part. That's, that's okay. I wanted. True I didn't want to cut you off. <laughs> um, yeah. So David Grant, who has written other really great nonfiction books, um, revisits this shocking series of crimes in which a dozen people were murdered in cold blood and just years of research and new evidence about what happened and what was going on and it's just yeah yeah a lot of the nonfiction books in here are pretty heavy but i mean that you don't write a light-hearted non-fiction book and get nominated no. for the national book awards it's just not it's not gonna happen uh one that um, i haven't read yet but i'm interested in is miss burma by charmaine craig it's a beautiful and poignant story of one family during the most violent and turbulent years of world history. Miss Burma is a powerful novel of love and war, colonialism and ethnicity and its ties to blood. It tells the story of modern day Burma through the eyes of Benny and Kin, husband and wife, and their daughter Louisa. Uh, after attending school in Calcutta, Benny settles in Rangoon, then part of the British Empire. Falls in love with Kin, a woman who is part of the long persecuted ethnic minority group the Karen. World War II comes to Southeast Asia, and they have to go into hiding uh, during the war and the Japanese occupation, and that kind of just goes from there, but I am always... Th this sort of reminded me adjacently of Pachinko, just l reading about it, so I'm absolutely going to check that one out. One that I have not read but is on my list is Manhattan Beach by Jennifer Egan. Uh, Anna Kerrigan, nearly 12 years old, accompanies her father to visit Dexter Stiles, a man who she gleans is crucial to the survival of her father and her family. Years later, her father has disappeared and the country is at war. Anna works at the Brooklyn Naval Yard where women are allowed to hold jobs that once belonged to men who are now soldiers abroad. She becomes the first female diver, the most dangerous and exclusive of occupations, repairing the ships that will help America win the war. When evening at a nightclub, she meets Dexter Stiles again and begins to understand the complexity of her father's life and the reasons he may have vanished. Um, yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, one that the, the last one I have on here is nonfiction. It's called Never Caught, The Washington's Relentless Pursuit of Their Runaway Slave, Ona Judge. So this tells the story of George Washington... Um, when he was elected president, he left Mount Vernon and he was serving in Philadelphia where the, the capital was at the time. Uh, and something that one of the laws that were in the North was in Pennsylvania, law required enslaved people to be set free after six months of residency in the state. And so George Washington, who we all, you know, father of our country, wonderful guy, I think people tend to forget that like our founding fathers they had skeletons in their closet they they owned, he owned slaves and so something he would do was right as that six month time was about to be it would come up he would send those slaves back down to the south where he had places to, to stay so that they couldn't become free and one of them uh this owner judge at when she was 22 years old she became the subject of an intense manhunt by george washington because she escaped and nothing, very little was known about what happened. And so this researcher, this historian, Erica Armstrong Dunbar, uh, put together this story and explains what happens in her life and the fact that 
George Washington, again, president of our of our country, was trying to hunt down this slave. So there's this runaway slave who all she wants to do is be free. And not only is she running away from her slave owner, but her slave owner is George Washington. Right. So I'm going to absolutely check that out. I, I literally discovered it when I was putting this list together. So that's Never Caught by Erica Armstrong Dunbar. And my last one is Locking Up Our Own, Crime and Punishment in Black America by James Foreman Jr. In recent years, America's criminal justice system has become the subject of an increasingly urgent debate. Critics have assailed the rise of mass incarceration, emphasizing its disproportionate impact on people of color. As as James Foreman Jr. points out, however, the war on crime that began in the 1970s supported by many african-american leaders in the nation's urban centers in locking up our own he seeks to understand why foreman shows us that the first substantial cohort of black mayors judges and police chiefs took office amid a surge in crime and drug addiction many prominent black officials feared that the gains of the civil rights movement were being undetermined uh, undermined by lawlessness and thus embraced tough on crime measures including longer sentences and aggressive police tactics so he just sort of he's a former dc public defender and he tells stories of these politicians and activists and officers and all of this and um sort of talks about a very real subject uh and speaking of the emmys i think the 13th the netflix movie won one of the emmys um which is on that similar subject of the effect of mass incarceration. Yeah. That sounds really good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those are, again, those are the National Book Award long list. It, it, again, not to harp on it. Go to overdrive.com. Uh, you'll see the full full collection there, and, and I'll be sure to link to it in our show notes as well if you want to check out all the different titles. There's a lot of really great stuff from uh, children's literature to poetry to nonfiction to fiction. They, they're, all, they're all in there. We had every single one of the titles that were – up for the awards on overdrive.com so that was nice to see um yeah there's a lot of good stuff on there uh anything else we should talk about before we head on out i don't think so i don't think so either uh we got a lot of really great stuff coming up for you guys in your future a bunch of more really great interviews we'll do our biggest books of october coming up soon and then we're going to dedicate a whole episode to the new harry potter uh illustrated book because we're both really excited about those um oh if you go to i i got the harry potter loot crate oh my gosh i signed up for it too after adam brought it over (laughs) all right guys i can't stress this enough loot crate not a sponsor of our podcast but loot crate has a wizarding world of harry potter version of their service and it comes every two months uh and two months ago, our coworker Adam, not me, not confusing at all. Uh, we have a lot of Adams here. We have here. a lot of Adams <laughs> here. Uh, he got his box, and we like did an, unva- an unboxing here at the office. Um, we got a lot of views on Facebook on the Overdrive page. So I, got, I signed up for it because I showed my wife, and she signed up immediately. Ours came yesterday, and we did an unboxing at our house that I made a video of, so I might send it to our social media specialist and have her put it up. It's so good. Which house did you pick? I picked Gryffindor. Okay. Yeah, Adam brought it over to my desk. On I think he got his on Monday or Tuesday, and uh, he'd already opened it. But I was just like, because he's a Slytherin. He is a Slytherin, like me. I need yeah. to look and see if anything. I mean, I know. So this one came with he a got scarf. The scarf. He got the scarf. 
Yeah, so this one came with a scarf. So ours was a Gryffindor scarf. His was a Slytherin scarf. Uh, I now have two Gryffindor scarves at our house. Um, but it also came with uh, the Salazar Slytherin's um, locket. You got that too. And it came with... Uh, so there was a Honeydukes box in there. And I got really excited that it was real candy. It's not. It's erasers. The erasers oh. are very cool. But they're not candy. It's not candy. The box was cute though. That that like the Honeydukes box was really cute. It's fantastic. I didn't realize it was eraser, so but. Yeah. Did he get Harry Potter's wand pen? He got a wand pen. I don't remember who is. Okay. Ours was Harry Potter. I was just curious if that if any of that was I don't different. Know. I should compare yeah, with him. Compare with them. Anyway, again, Loot Crate not a sponsor, but the it's a pretty cool kind of a treat yourself moment to get yes. every two week every two months. So. I'll be getting mine first one in two months. Yes. All right, we're just going to – are you getting it delivered to your house or to the office? The office. Okay, we, we should just keep doing <laughs> unboxings then. All right. Um, I think that's it. Follow us on all the social medias. Follow Overdrive on the social medias too, and you can get some more behind-the-scenes stuff from us. Um, okay. Anything else? No, nope, that's it. Cool. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.